0: And I'm going to say something perhaps um, a little bit surprising for, um, for uh, Father's Day, but I'm going to say basically, don't try and be super dad. Don't try and be super dad um, if you're a dad here. Uh, because uh, I expect you know, um, as I know, that this is a pretty impossible list to measure up to. And you could feel... Leave here feeling rather depressed if you compared yourself to this. I, I, I was looking at this in the worship in the previous service and, and just clocking that I'd failed on practically every single one in the last week and that I needed grace um, as a father myself. Uh, so I want to turn it slightly on its head and I want to say two things and this is how you can remember. I'm going to get you to say it back to me as well. If you want to be a better father, learn how to be a better son. I'm going to explain what that means in a minute. If you want to be a better father, Learn how to be a better son. So I'm gonna say, if you want to be a better father, and you're gonna say back to me, learn how to be a better son. Is that okay? If you want to be a better father, learn how to be a better son. we'll focus on that one first. Well, why do I say that? What's that about? Well, I think we can learn a huge amount from seeing how our children are children and how that might instruct us in being sons of God, how that might help us in our being a father and a parent. So, um, as a way of introduction and illustration, we've got a little video we're gonna watch. So, eyes on the screen, kids eyes on the screen, this is a little video from Facebook. You might not understand everything that's being said. Um, (laughs) I couldn't, um, and the father certainly doesn't, but uh, just look at the interaction and the joy in this little video clip and the fun of it. Did you understand it though? No. No, okay. Uh Oh, no, not not this one. This is is the grand finale of this. Yeah, that's the last one. That's what I was wondering. I don't know what they're going to do next season because they did some stuff this time. Exactly what I was thinking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, don't bring that again. You know what I'm saying? Don't do the same stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I was like that. Yeah. Yeah Like, go somewhere else with that, but don't break it here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's got to be clean. It's got to be That's what I said. And ne- 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 was like, ah, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, what in the world? But don't do that here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that is. Really? I thought the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> we think a lot of huh? <laughs> oh, that's crazy. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love that video. Um uh, it illustrates a few things I think about parenting. Uh, We sometimes don't always know what's going on. (laughs) Um, But um, notice how um, the son and the father just uh, love spending time together. It's true that children, um, if they've got anything like a half decent dad, actually even if they haven't sometimes, they adore and look up to their father. Uh, What would it mean for us who are fathers to model to our children that we adore and look up to our heavenly father? What would that look like? Uh, Kids love spending time with their dads. They begin after a while, and if you noticed in the video, to imitate them and their mannerisms. Even there was one point that the father said something, and the and the and the, the little boy started like nodding like his dad. He's like, yeah, yeah. It, we all know, I know, um, that I have picked up mannerisms and stuff from my father. I now overhear my parents disciplining each other in the voice that I use, the words that I use. Already, we end up imitating our fathers, don't we? Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if our children saw in us as parents people who'd spent enough quality time with their Heavenly Father that we began to imitate them? We want to pick up, spiritually speaking, his mannerisms and the way that he parents us. And they saw a witness of that closeness of relationship. Other things about kids. Um, Generally speaking, they expect good things from us. They expect good things from their fathers. They expect to be blessed. They expect to be cared for. How powerful it might be if we, as parents and as fathers, live lives of expectation and faith of God's good favor on us. And what would it look like in our family lives if we were to live more like that? Children always ask for what they want. A lot. All the time. I couldn't even sit down to have my breakfast this morning for the request of the next thing of juice, of a bagel, of whatever it might be. At one point, I just said, enough, I'm having my porridge. (laughs) Let me have my porridge, then I'll get you your bagel, Um, (laughs) because I'm not as good a parent. as (laughs) Um, But they always ask. There's a culture of expectation, of asking, of asking, of asking. Do our kids see us in that same kind of dependent relationship with our Heavenly Father? Do we ask? And even if we don't get what we want, as kids don't always get what they want, and they might throw a bit of a tantrum to begin with, they actually, at the end of the day, still trust us because they know that we love them. What would it look like if they saw in our lives, in our prayer lives, in our relationship with God, someone who asked and asked and expected and prayed and asked and asked of our Heavenly Father. And though we might not always get what we want, and there might be a bit of a tantrum that actually underneath it all, they would see someone who loves and trusts their Heavenly Father because they know that ultimately He always loves them. Do you see the lessons that we can learn as fathers by being better sons? And the example that we might give to our children by being better sons. If you want to be a better father, learn how to be a better son. (laughs) We'll try that again. If you want to be a better father, learn how to be a better son. That's the first, first point. Oh, one other thing. Um, uh, uh, if you want to be a better father, learn how to be a better husband. If you want to be a better father, learn how to be a better husband. And the reason I say that, and I, I know even as I say that, life marriage doesn't always work out in this life as we'd wish it would and that there's hurt around that. But listen in to the advice from Scripture about loving relationships and what we can learn about them, from them. This is where I slightly stitch up the, um, the dads, the, parents, the husbands amongst us. This is what it, it says in um, Ephesians chapter 5, and this is the message version. It says, out of respect for Christ, be courteously reverent to one another. Wives, understand and support your husband in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church, not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ, as he exercises such leadership, wives should submit to their husbands. little note here, by the way, and for anyone maybe preparing for marriage or anything like that. Um, when I got married, m- my wife used the... Um, she used the, uh, uh, the vow that isn't used that often anymore, where she says she promised to obey. <laughs> and, um, and when the speaker got up to do the talk, he said, by the way, Mike, I'm now going to tell you what she meant by that. <laughs> And um, I thought, oh dear, I'm in trouble. And he said, Mike, if you ever have to ask your wife to obey, in the light of passages like this, you failed. Because you should lead your family, your wife and your family, in such a way that you should never have to ask her to obey. You should never have that point, because you've led in such a way that she knows that you always, and in every way, have her and the family's best interests at heart that you've prayed through it, that you've thought through it, and that you are always acting to cherish and to build up and to love. And And so you should never have to ask. Do you see that the, the relationship in marriage that the Bible actually talks about isn't a submission in the way the world talks about. It's a relationship of love that is so rich and deep that that word obey or that submission isn't the same thing. Do you see what I mean? It's not a domineering, it's a cherishing. We'll carry on with the reading from verse 25. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church, and we'll remember that in communion a bit later. A love marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that's how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. No one abuses his own body, does he? No, he feeds and pampers it. That's how Christ treats us, the church. Now, um, last night, thinking of pampering and blessing and stuff, um, Michelle sent me this, this joke um, via text message just before we went to bed because um, we never actually speak to each other. She just texted text me. Just, I realized how that came out. Um, <laughs> she sent this to me. She said, um, she said, On the morning of her birthday, a woman told her husband, I just dreamed that you gave me a diamond necklace. What do you think that means? Maybe you'll find out tonight, he said. And that evening, the man came home with a small package and gave it to his wife. She ripped off the wrapping paper and found a book titled The Meaning of Dreams which tickled me, so I thought I'd share it with you today. I want to tell you another story, though, um, on this subject of of husbands loving their wives, of cherishing, of evoking their beauty and bringing the best out of them by being the, the husband that Christ kind of is to the church in that relationship. Um, uh, it's the story of a couple who are celebrating their just about to celebrate their 40th wedding anniversary, which registered with me because my parents in real life are about to celebrate their 40th wedding anniversary next, next um, weekend. Hands up if you've been married here for 40 years or, or more. Um, wow, that's amazing. Can we just honor that and say, well done? Um, uh, anyway, they've they, um, been married for 40 years, but they argued all the time Non-stop arguments. And the, the children didn't know what to get them for their 40th wedding anniversary. So what they got them in the end was they got them some marriage counseling <laughs> <laughs> sessions. And they paid for some marriage counseling for them. And um, they, uh, eventually they agreed to go on this. And they argued all the way to the counselor. And they were arguing as they went into the marriage counselor's office. They were arguing as they sat down. They argued throughout the hour-long session with the marriage counselor. And he didn't know what to He'd never seen anything like it. And at one point, towards the end of the hour, he just said, Enough! Stop! Please! He said, I'm going to do something now that I've never encountered anything like this, quite like this. And I'm going to do something now that I've never done in all my professional career. And not something I'd recommend. And with that, he, uh, he got up from under, behind his desk, and he went around, and he grabbed the woman, he lifted her up, and gave her a kiss right on the lips, and then he put her down. And he said to the husband, he said, That is what this woman needs at least three times a week. And so the husband said, okay, I'll bring her in on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I love that story. I've heard that story so many times, but I could keep hearing it. Um, he got the wrong end of the stick. It's meant that's, what, that's what he was meant to do to her three times a week for kids who are listening and wondering what's going on. Um, this passage says to us, and says to us as husbands that we are to cherish, that we are to go all out for in our love of our wives, giving, not getting, serving, making her feel whole and holy, beautiful and radiant, bringing the best out of her. Love her like that, it says, and you'll be loving yourself too. Provide generously for her. Love her daily. People sometimes talk about falling out of love. I want to say don't, don't fall out of love. Love is something you do every day to keep marriage alive and healthy and vibrant. And so learn from this passage in your relationships with one another, in your relationships with your wife. I can't tell you the number of times uh, that perhaps I've given Michelle a kiss or a cuddle in front of the kids or something as they were growing out. And out the corner of your eye, you see the kids and they're staring at you. And they're smiling. When they get a bit older, they go, (laughs) But when they're young, actually, they look to that, they see that, and they get security from it. You can see it happening right there in front of your eyes, that their security is being built by the way that you love your wife. Husbands, you will teach your children how to love and be loved by loving your wife well. If you love your wife well, you will be an even better father to them. If you want to be a better Father, be an even better husband. Learn how to be a better son, learn how to be a better husband. We'll get there eventually. You know what I mean. Those things are really important and they're really practical. And as I say, if we can learn how to be a better son, a model to our children, the relationship with God that they're meant to have. And also, actually, the number of times in my parenting where I've messed up and i found myself praying a prayer, something like this.